Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are here at the beginning of the greatest month in the history of the Oz Network, because we are talking all things dead ducks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's not... (laughs) Okay, Ben, (laughs) what did you eat for breakfast? (laughs) Hang on, hang on. Oh, excuse me. Dead Duck Month, which if anybody anybody remembers back uh, last year during Anniversary Month when we covered About a Boy and after we'd spent, I don't know, six years going through plot keywords saying one of these days we're going to do a month out of this, we found Dead Ducks as a plot keyword. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to forget to press it every time we say it. I'm I'm on a good start already. Now we're dedicated to covering entire month of films with dead ducks, or are there dead ducks in it? That's that's we're gonna find out. Oh, that's we're gonna find out. I'm still waiting for a dead duck to turn up during 1985's Weird Science, but maybe you caught it. I caught it. Did you? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you're gonna have to show me. This one's a clear number one, and I'll tell you why. Because the next film, it's not even in it. It's just a mention of it. It's a line. Exactly. So no, I, I I was. We'll get to it when we see it, because I was thinking we weren't getting one, but then I saw it, and I thought, oh, there we go, dead duck. (laughs) That is my new favorite sound effect. (laughs) Good. Um, (laughs) 1985's Weird Science from the man that brought you The Breakfast Club the same year this came out and brought you Ferris Bueller's Day Off the year after this. We get a movie about two teenage boys creating a woman Uh, And I basically realized that this isn't Sino Man, but it is a computer-generated woman as opposed to a caveman. Uh, And we'll see whether I like it more or less. Uh, My name is Colin, and uh, just keep this between us because I could lose my teaching job. And my name is Ben. And if you were a 15-year-old boy, would these turn you on? Uh, Dead ducks, you mean? (laughs) Uh, There's so many good lines in this one. Like, um, uh, yeah. Look, uh, we're we're doing this in an hour, so I'm going to try to speed this along but uh, uh my history with this movie because i did mention i had seen this before although i didn't i barely remembered seeing it now everything came flooding back to me as soon as i started watching this movie but uh all i remembered was like oh there was, i think weird science was the one where bill paxton was in it and as i started watching this movie i'm like wait a second there was a weird science tv series and I, i'm pretty sure i could i, I could remember seeing the tv series before the movie probably around the same time i saw the we're talking like the mid 90s and the TV series, what I remember was it was like the the show that was on like 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday night. So it was like last thing you watch before going to bed before school uh, for uh, after the end of the weekend. And I don't remember like loving the show, but I do remember it. And then it was probably a couple months after that. It would have had to have been a couple months after that because when I saw this, I'm like, Bill Paxton, that's the guy from Paul 13 and not that's the guy from Paul 13 and Twister. So we're talking 95. I watched this movie. It's on late one night. 
And I remember thinking, that is the dumbest, most juvenile movie I've ever seen. I never want to watch this again. And now flash forward almost 30 years later, and I don't know if I'm going to be alone in this, but like I am completely turned around. I oh, love this movie. No. This movie is borderline brilliant in the dumbest way. I think I'm either dumber and more juvenile now or I'm more mature and smarter now to actually get this because um, I, I love this movie. In fact, I, I keep telling Jamie all day today, I'm like, I really want to watch Weird Science. Jamie's like, I remember watching it before. It was okay. I'm like, no, 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 no. Please, let's watch Weird Science. I love this movie. I I'm getting the feeling I'm alone, though. Yeah, I think I have your reaction when you first saw it. This movie is just dumb. Um, <laughs> I I've I've never seen The Breakfast Club. I've never seen 16. I'm, the only John Hughes film I've ever seen is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know why I've never seen The Breakfast Club. It's on my list. But, um, yeah, like, uh, what what is it with the 80s, right? Like, you have, like, this is, it's very Howard the Duck. Like, it's just, it's just dumb. And But, like, this is kind of that trope of, like, oh, let's make the geeks cool. Every 80s movie had to have a theme song. Um, like, oh, uh, I love the song. Uh, it's just, I don't know. There's just something about, and like, I, I'm glad we're only doing this in an hour because I'd be ripping this into so many levels. There's <laughs> nothing explained in this movie. It's too, it's too horny children who like, are like, oh, I want to get a dick wet. Let's make a woman. And they don't even have sex with her. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like maybe not Colin cause he's not normal, but we were all <laughs> horny teenage boys at one point. Some of us don't grow out of that phase. Hello, Noah and I happy birthday, Noah, by the way. Um, here's a duck for you. Um, but like, if I had the ability to go to a computer, get a Barbie, go did 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 woman, and then five seconds later you're in the shower and you don't do it, like, not to sound disrespectful, I'm sure like horny teenage girls would do the same if they could make Ken in the shower. Like, the the key point of them making this woman is to do nasty things to her because they're horny. Yeah. They are standing in a gym staring at gymnasts. It's like Ben's dream as a 15-year-old oh, boy. Do I have a note on that? <laughs> horny as all hell. So they're so horny and then they don't do anything. Bill Paxton turns into a pile of shit. Um, <laughs> there's mutant bikers. Robert Downey doesn't have a junior after his name. <laughs> this movie's dumb. I'm sorry. It is a hundred percent. I don't know. I just, I get it now. And Ugh. there's a lot of stuff with this movie where I'm like, I actually kind of remember this and I don't remember liking it originally. I, I will say that where I disagree with you is I feel like there's, there's a good chunk of 15 year old boys, probably those who you, you know even were horny enough that this is what they want to do. Don't where the second they're presented Colin, with that, everyone was you were the one teenage boy but, who was never horny. No, no, no. <laughs> I guarantee a lot of teenage boys out there are going to make a woman like this, and then all of a sudden, when presented with the opportunity, they're gonna be like, uh, uh, again, what, what do I do? Speaking for cluster. the rare few that are him, <laughs> he doesn't know 15 year old boys. I am sorry, as a former 15 year old boy, that is not how this would work if I'm in well, the show with Kelly LeBrock or whatever her name is. Like, I, she's I'm Anthony Michael Hall then. Um, Who was in so, Freddy uh, Got Finger, Fingered? Do we know that? It? I looked him up and he was in Freddy Got Fingered. Oh, well, so the, the funny trivia, which I'll get this out of the way now, is that after this movie comes out, I mean, Anthony Michael Hall was basically like in a whole bunch of John Hughes movies at this point. Robert Downey Jr., I don't know if this is like his first major movie. Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall go on to become cast members on Saturday Night Live at the end yeah. of 1985. Basically, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, at the age of 18, the youngest cast member ever. So 
I don't know. They 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 had some success after this. Obviously, this movie was fairly popular, but uh, I'm going to jump into it here because uh, the opening do. scene to me, I, I didn't put this was Ben at 15. I wrote this is Ben at 36. Yeah. Uh, admiring the gymnasts. <laughs> Never changed. I've honestly like, hey, I, I have a, I have a thing for gymnasts. I am ne- I'm not going to deny it. Age of uh, age I, gymnasts of <laughs> age gymnasts. And like honestly, to me, even this opening scene is brilliant. Like the, just the way that they're talking. Like I mean, John Hughes. This is obviously dumbed down John Hughes. I mean, he's he's not only known for smarter things like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and uh, The Breakfast Club. Uh, he, he the vacation movies. So, you know, that's him. Oh, and that's yeah, okay. Completely him. idiotic humor as well. This probably takes it to a new level. But I think John Hughes is almost being a parody of John Hughes with this movie. But like this opening scene, you've got John Hughes writing in here. They're talking about what they're going to do with the the women and everything. And stop ruining my fantasy. And then you get the other guy, Wyatt, the not Anthony Michael Hall guy saying, nobody likes us. We're not popular. We're not hip. Uh, and then Robert Downey Jr. and the other bully, which... Uh, uh, Robert Downey. No, Jr. Robert Downey. He's not a junior And the yet. other bully. <laughs> so this other guy, Robert Russler, uh, Rocky and I had talked about him when we did um, Bad Sequel Month, which was partially Good Sequel Month, uh, because he was playing a kind of similar character in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Uh, he looks familiar. Funny tr- well, trivia about this is that uh, his audition for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 was when they were filming Weird Science, and... Apparently, Robert Downey Jr. is the one who drove him to his audition and waited outside for him. So uh, everybody in this cast kind of had something big happen afterwards, except for the one person who deserves it, Kelly LeBrock, who didn't act for five years after this. Aww. I don't know. I like her. It was her choice. I thought she's, she's, a, she's amazing in this movie. What, what Like, to jump in there, was she known for something more? Because I feel like that name was, is like such a name that people know. I mean, I think so much of it is weird science. But uh, the movie that came out a year before this, The Women in Red, which yeah. I've never seen... Uh, she was that was like her movie debut, and that movie was really popular. I think it's more well known for Stevie Wonder did like the entire soundtrack there. He did the song The Woman Red, but also like the song. I think it's the song I just called to say I love you is oh, from yeah, that yeah. movie. She's in wrong yeah, I mean, so, accused. But but like the next movie she makes after this is Hard to Kill with Steven Seagal five years later, who apparently she was married to at the time. So I, she probably just chose to not act after this. Um, but yeah, she, I would too. We were we were robbed. <laughs> <laughs> we were robbed because she's brilliant in this movie. Yeah, she is. Um, after uh, the bullies here pull down their pants uh, and then, hey, girls, look at us. And everybody's standing. Uh, Wyatt's trying to talk his way out. It's like, no, just don't say anything. And then it cuts to these opening credits. So this song is phenomenal. And mm. I, I, again, I probably Bring heard this song before, but I, I have listened to this song. Yesterday, I listened to it at least three times. And today, I probably heard this song five or six times today. It's a six minute long song. So uh, 30 minutes of my day has been dedicated so far to listening to the theme song for Weird Science. And I love this song, it's fantastic. Uh, interesting note during the opening credits here is that not only is this movie written and directed by John Hughes, but it's produced by Joel Silver, future mm. producer of the Lethal Weapon and Matrix movies. I noticed that name and I was like, yeah, okay. It, it's always cool to watch like old movies where you see where producers start in a genre completely different. Like Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, Flashdance was like pre Top Gun or any of those Beverly Hills Cop or anything. He starts with some Kathleen like Flashdance. Kennedy, Dance of Jurassic all Park. I've, I've got that poster on my wall here. Yeah. Every time I read the credits, I always see Kathleen Kennedy's name. I'm like, how are you used to be good, Kathleen? <laughs> how? Uh, right after the credits, uh, we, I guess, have the, the two main characters here having a sleepover and find out that uh, whoever's house is, I think this is Wyatt's house. Uh, the parents are in Cincinnati. Uh, his brother Chet is in charge. He's Bill Paxton. Uh, they're watching a colorized version of uh, the classic Frankenstein movie. And then they have the idea, we're going to simulate making a girl. So like you said, nothing is playing this movie. And I kind of love it for that. It's just completely absurd. They, they they start punching all this stuff into the computer. 
they're they're feeding things in there like like a picture of albert einstein and i'm like okay so it's gonna come up with the brains of a piece of paper Hmm. Uh, like again none of this makes any sense but who cares uh they're putting together their perfect woman they've got it hooked up with these electrical cables we get like this big you know storm that's happening outside the barbie gets electrified and all of a sudden a woman grows out of it and it's kelly lebrock um and i think that's kind of the iconic shot of the movie is her standing there with the shrunken clothes in the doorway and everything uh, even not remembering anything about this movie. I remember that shot. Uh, I remember that shot. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I think Sem- every semi- male remembers that shot. <laughs> I'd never seen this movie and I had seen that shot before. And, and also, though, they had the bras on their head while they were doing this. Like, Why are we wearing bras on our head? It's ceremonial. <laughs> I like that. Uh, th- th- some of the little things they do during like these these big uh science stuff though the weird science stuff in this uh like having the town sign just start burning a dog that's just randomly walking on the ceiling i like those things uh and um uh when, when she first appears she's just asking so what do you guys want to do first and then you see them all in the shower with her uh wearing of course underwear like dude wearing pants on. not just underwear they're wearing their pants still <laughs> do you shower with jamie personal question but i think i've asked you this before and no. you don't you don't like doing it do no, there's you? i mean there's there's no room to move in there i mean i would certainly be opposed to it but there's have no you room done to move it before i i have i showered with jamie before yes not have you done we've this jumped in the shower at the same time yes n- n- for no other reason Love. than basically okay i'm gonna shower you shower Love. It's not as uh erotic as no, I'm, not, I'm not that, that wasn't my question because like I, when i have been in relationships 99 percent of the time a shower together is a we're both running late for work like yeah let's kill t- it's very rarely shower sex is not half great. the time one person's <laughs> brushing their teeth in the shower yeah. while the other person again speaking for the normal person on this episode uh, let's just say that <laughs> shower sex not that great but just at the point of <laughs> generally when you shower together it's not usually sexual but for 15 year old boys at kelly to block it would be <laughs> Uh, we do see as she changes her clothes, they're basically going to go out for the night on the town they, they were talking about earlier in the movie. Uh, and one thing I actually, I'm glad I rewatched the opening scene before we start recording here, because I didn't notice that what they're talking about at the beginning is those girls over there. It's the two girls they end up with, mm. uh, which I didn't even catch the first time I saw because they're just girls in the distance. I've never seen this. And in two seconds, I'm like, they're getting with those girls at the end of the movie. It's an <laughs> 80s movie, Colin. It's paint by numbers. Come on. Uh, I do like the, the the cool reveal as they're walking around the house and she could change her colors or colors, change her c- c- clothes, just like a snap of a finger. It's obviously done a little bit of trick photography there. Uh, so we see she starts to have some powers. Uh, this is when I realized this movie is Encino Man, which I don't know how well you remember Encino uh, Man. I do not remember it at all. I mean, in Encino Man, they're not making a caveman. They, they find a caveman, they thaw him, but then the whole thing is we're going to use, we're the two losers and we're going to use this uh, caveman to become popular and it doesn't exactly go as they think, kind of, all gets out of control. Um, nothing against Kelly LeBrock. Trust me, nothing against her at all. But uh, Encino Man did it with a more attractive lead, right? Yeah, props to Brendan Fraser. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, like, like Kelly LeBrock, yes, please. But Brendan Fraser, double yes, please. Like, yes. <laughs> don't even. I'd shower with Brendan Fraser tomorrow in the in the whale suit. Like, let's be honest. Yes, please to the power of infinity. <laughs> yes. Mm-mm. That's uh, when you, when Kelly they, LeBrock comes out of that machine. Anything you want, Brendan Fraser in my shower. Yeah, I want Brendan Fraser. <laughs> in the shower now. Now. <laughs> and a dead duck on the floor. <laughs> um, so she takes him to this club. And uh, honestly, the only thing that I, I did enjoy about this movie is it coming up here, but it's not in this scene here. Again, this scene exactly like Encino Man, because they basically at one point uh, end up in like this seedy club and there's 
a bunch of i think it's like a, a bunch of uh latino guys in um uh, encino man but uh here it's i don't know these guys are supposed to be like blues musicians like very chicago guys you know very mobster like uh and you get anthony michael hall kind of doing this accent uh yeah, imitating on black voice uh basically yeah, black voice. instead of black face he's doing which, black voice so uh this holds which, up well <laughs> it, it, to, be, to be perfectly honest i mean it's actually kind of funny at first the way he's doing it but it goes on forever because I think if it had ended in this scene, it'd be fine. But when they're driving home in the car and he's still doing it, that's when I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is a little too much at this point. Um, I, I do like when, when they're listening to the, the music, though, and he goes through the blues. It reminds me of my own trials and tribulations. I, I love when they start threatening him or whatever, or, or he thinks they're threatening him. He goes, like, all right, guys, I'll see you guys in the emergency room. <laughs> like Some of the one, Anthony Michael Hall, like I could see why they said, let's get this 18-year-old kid to be on Saturday Night Live because like he's actually really funny and He's probably my favorite character in The Breakfast Club as well. Um, they show back uh, up at the house, and this is where we get introduced to Chet. Uh, this is Bill Paxton now. Um, I saw this movie after seeing Apollo 13. I had seen True Lies. I knew who Bill Paxton was. I liked Bill Paxton in those movies. But even at the time, my memory was thinking Bill Paxton was so annoying in this movie. And that's one thing I'm like, I don't know if I'm budging on. He's definitely still annoying in this movie, but I'm like, but he's supposed to be. And that's one of these things where you get a little bit older and you realize this is the point of the character. But I, what were your thoughts on him here? I, I just think, Bill, like outside of his roles that I love him for, like your Apollo 13, your, your Twisters, he always kind of plays the same guy. Because I even, yeah. was he not in a Predator movie? Was he not in Predator 2? Terminator. Terminator. Well, Term he might have been in Predator no, as well, but, but he was I, definitely in the, fir uh, the first Terminator. I'm pretty sure he was in Predator, the Danny Glover one. I've got a weird recollection of him being in a Predator movie. Oh, he I'm... is. He's in Predator 2 as well. Yeah. yeah, okay, there you go. Like and, like and Aliens, playing a very similar character in Aliens. But this is the thing. Like He always, like, I'm guessing he was typecast as this kind of, like, either mm -hmm. a real dick or, like, sleazy type guy. Because, like, obviously True Lies, he's very sleazy and whatever. And then this, he's just kind of like a dick. Um, and I, again, think Predator 2, I'm pretty sure he's a very similar character. It's been a long time. I don't mind Predator 2. Underrated. Oh, great movie. Been yeah. a long time since I've seen any of the Predators, to be complete. But Dad and I, when we used to watch them as a kid, um, and he'd, and he'd always put on Predator 2. And he's like, look, it doesn't have Arnie in it, but it's still good. Um, cause it's like Danny Glover in LA, isn't it? Isn't it like the Predator in LA or something like that? Anyway, the point is, good movie. But yeah, I like, I, I think that I don't really have a much of a... Th I'm just like, cool, it's Bill Paxton. Like, it's just yeah. Bill Paxton playing what Bill Paxton did in the 80s. You know, Titanic, mm -hmm. he wasn't really sleazy in Titanic. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's I just... It's kind of what I expected him to be. Uh, so he's just kind of the douchey older brother. He's um, basically extorting them. We, we kind of get very quickly that this is all about money for him. He's going to do whatever he can to get his brother in trouble. So he uh, charges him $175 to not say anything to the parents. Uh, and then we get a scene which uh, this would never be allowed today. Uh, we we basically get Kelly LeBrock making out with the younger of the two guys. Now, both of these guys were actual teenagers, like still in high school when this movie's made. Anthony Michael Hall was, I think, 16 or 15, 17 when this movie's made. This other guy, which I'm trying to find his name here. I don't think he'd ever been in anything else. But Elon guy, guy Mitchell Smith. Elon Mitchell Smith, who is actually 16 when this movie's filmed. Now, I'm sure he had no complaints about this at all. He doesn't, <laughs> <indeed>. Come on. <laughs> but having said that, they don't get away with doing this today because Kelly Brock's like 25 in this movie, and this is a, a pretty steamy scene for, you know, a PG teen comedy. And 
she gets pretty physical with both of these kids. Well, she's allowed, um, she literally has a scene where she asks, like, what can I do for 15-year-old boys? Like, I mean, again, yeah. re- reverse this. If this was, like, a, a, an older man with two girls, like, it, it's, even in the oh, 80s, yeah. it would be frowned upon. So, like, this was just mm-hmm. that charming time of, like, oh, ha, ha, lol, older woman, <laughs> younger kids. Like, it's, it's yeah, this is kind of a bit uh, statutory rapey, this movie. Yeah, and we're not playing devil's advocate by saying, uh, oh, yeah, I'm sure they didn't have a complaint. Because in all honesty, I mean, if, if you had, I don't know, the, the exact same time period, you had a actress who was a teenager and she happened yeah. to be making out with Tom Cruise, who was 25, that girl probably wouldn't complain, but it doesn't mean it's right. It's, you know, it's, and, it's, and it is that kind of like, it is on that double-sided nature of it where, and you see it in mm-hmm. society where, you know, it's often not really even sometimes reported about like if it's a younger boy with an older woman, because again, there is that, you know, all jokes aside, what I'm saying about horny 15 year old boys, like for the most part, if a 15 year old boy is having an older woman come onto her and doing this, we're not going to see anything wrong with that. Um, yeah. Like it's just kind of a, it's sadly a male mentality with a lot. I'm not saying all the time, obviously that, that does get found out and everything, but uh, it's not right. It's still not right. But um, it is kind of just almost that uh, double, I watched a video recently where it was like... Um, was it with gymnasts? Well, no, that was a different... I don't talk about those videos on this show. Um, <laughs> but it was like uh, comparing age gaps in Hollywood. I think it was done by the people who do... I think it was done by Screen mm. Junkies, the Honest Trailers people. And they were basically... They did a study where they compared like, I don't know, like 300 major Hollywood films over the last how many years and worked out like which actors always like were, had such a disparity between their age gaps. And it was mainly like older men, very, very rarely older women with younger men. And they basically ripped into the James Bond franchise, mainly because of Roger Moore. Uh, but yeah. Pierce Brosnan got into trouble for a little bit for a couple of years because he was significantly older than most Brosnan of his Bond women. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, but I mean, here these guys aren't complaining. I mean, I don't think I would have been complaining either. And they're getting paid for this. Like, that kind of angers me. But anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a 15, 16-year-old. <laughs> Hi, guys, your first movie. You're going to be a movie. Yes, all right. You're going to be in a John Hughes movie. All right, my career's made it. And you get to make out with Kelly Lee Brock. Sign it. Where you don't, don't you want to know how much money? No, it's fine. I'll do it for free. I'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall's offering. He, he, he's signing back his check, his, his royalty check from the breakfast club to do this movie. Uh, so there's this Which scene actually, guy where you have to be in a shower with Kelly. Okay. Yep. I'm gone. I'm good. <laughs> but, but actually with Anthony Michael Hall, what's interesting is that um, vacation, which came out, what I think it would have been two, three years before this, he played like the son. And the famous thing with those vacation oh, yeah. movies is that, it's it's a different it's different kids in every single movie yeah, yeah, yeah. to the point where by the time they get to Vegas vacation they actually make jokes out of that it's like oh I hardly recognize you kids uh, but my, the, my the whole reason that's Vegas unpopular opinion Vegas vacation my favorite it's a of the good vacation one, yeah. films love that film I don't think it would be I'd say it was my favorite but it's really good when you but, but uh, the, the the exact same time this movie's getting made European Vacation the sequel is being made which John Hughes is also writing okay uh, but uh, um, John Hughes offered Anthony Michael Hall the role in Weird Science. And he was forced to turn down European Vacation, which is what started the trend of we got to recast the kids in every single movie. Because I think the girl was planning to come back, but they said, well, if we're recasting one kid, let's recast both of them. So the whole reason we have that running, it's now become like a joke where the kids are different every single movie is because Anthony Michael Hall was offered weird science instead. Um, So they wake up in the morning and uh, Wyatt here has a feeling it was all a dream. I guess they both kind of think it was a dream. They're like, oh, but how do we have the exact same dream? And then they get up and they realize they're wearing her panties. 
Uh, I love when they come downstairs and they, they realize this isn't a dream and she's down there. We now we get Chet confronted them. And when he sees him in the panties, he's like, hey, that's a behavioral disorder. <laughs> like, he's really angry about it. Uh, some, a joke they're probably not going to throw in now, but like, it's still, it's, this is his character, you know? Like, fine to keep that in there. Um, and uh, she's basically, uh, now how did she, she buy him off here or... How does she get him to be quiet about this? I don't know. Because I know what happens later on. Because half of this, like, I had to read the Wikipedia article to realize that she's got magical powers that can do anything. Is that even (laughs) explained? Nothing's explained in this movie, and that's kind of why I love it. But that's the thing, like, I don't understand anything because they're driving Ferraris. They're driving this car. They're driving that car. I'm like, what? There's mutant bikers. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) So one of the things uh, that's um, a trivia bit about this movie is that John Hughes wrote this in two days, yeah, two days to write I this movie, and it why. shows. And I love it for that, <laughs> like because he's making the bre- he's filming the Breakfast Club the same year this is out. These movies come out only a few months apart. It's a busy guy, and he's like, "Well, I could make this movie," and somehow this movie stood the test of time. It's still fairly popular today. Um, they show up at the mall. Uh, they uh, are talking about how cool they're going to be now, and then you get Robert Downey and the other guy dumping Slurpees on them. Uh, now we find out those other girls from the beginning of the movie are the girlfriends of Robert Downey and other guy, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street guy. Uh, and they want to dump them. They're debating about dumping them and everything. Uh, the bullies, they they see Kelly Brock coming up the escalator. Now we have Pretty Now I, I'm curious if your version had Pretty Woman, the Van Halen cover yeah. of Pretty Woman playing here. Yeah. It did, Kay. Because apparently there are different versions of this where in some points it's actually just the Weird Science song that plays. And then in other versions... It's the Pretty Woman Van Halen song that's playing. So we obviously were watching the same version here. Uh, they follow her out of the mall, and she's kind of giving the cold shoulder. Hey, we saw you looking at us back there. She's like, yeah, and? And then the guys come pulling up in their car, and uh, she's blowing the other two guys off. It says they're having a party at the house. Oh. Um, I'll, I'll kind of uh, stop it here uh, right before they get to the, the house party, which is basically, there we go, half of the movie right there. And, and, and have I missed the dead duck yet? No. Um, um, uh, one hour, fifteen minutes, and forty-seven seconds. If you've got it in front of you, you can you can fast forward to see it because I did timestamp it. Um, uh, like, it's just I I don't know. Like, it's it's the eighties had just dumb concept movies. I get it. This was just a thing. Um, you know, I used to really enjoy that movie Space Camp, where all of a sudden, like, oh, the Kids end up in space. Uh, I've never seen the Matthew Broderick War Games, but it sounds like it would be fun. Um, like I get it, but like it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just so. Like I'm guessing this was, was. I mean, you said this is the same year as the Breakfast Club, was it? Yeah, you muted Boomer. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so was John, I was trying to find my dead duck here. <laughs> so was um, John Hughes a name at this point, or was was? Oh the, yeah. Okay. So like, I'm assuming this movie gets green lighted because it's John Hughes. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, he had he had been writing movies for several years, like the the National Lampoon's movies, and then um, uh, I think Pretty it was Pretty in Pink the year before this. I think Pretty sure. in Pink was right before this, and then Breakfast Club and this the same year, and then Ferris Bueller right after this. Because I was just thinking, like, I mean, I don't think a movie like this get that he's written in two days gets green lit if he doesn't have a name attached to it. Like, if yeah. this is Ben Waterworth goes to Hollywood Studios tomorrow, I'm not getting this movie made. But like, it's just I don't know, like. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I have to add because, I mean, I like the Hamas. Obviously, John Hughes, I'm guessing, is from Chicago and I'm guessing mm-hmm. he's always got these throwbacks to his home city because there's Cubs references, sh- there's photos of Chicago. Like, is that accurate? 
Yeah. Uh, well, it's like how Stephen King will write all of his books in like the same you know town in Maryland, which I think is a fictional town, but that's where he's from. With, with John Hughes, actually, um, I, I think it's the Breakfast Club uses the exact same school, or they yeah. they're filming in a school, but they actually have the same, same fictional name. name of the. Yeah, so it's not like these are necessarily the same universe, but he fills all these little things in there for his movies, these Easter eggs. But I mean, obviously, Chicago, uh, Love Letter to the City and Ferris Bueller, of course, famously. Um, and also, next week when we get to Barbarella, there is a weird Ferris Bueller's Day Off connection in the very opening scene, which I don't know oh, if really? you picked up on. It's one of the few things I actually paid attention to in that movie. Um, <laughs> but I love it when they're like, eating their, like, being such teenage boys and cooking food and pizzas. Like, he puts, like, five microwave pizzas in the microwave with the plastic still on. Is this a, a North American thing that you've got microwavable wrap on your pizza that you can keep on? Like, that's not... Uh, well, like, there's certain, like, TV dinners where you're yeah. supposed to keep it on but pull the corner up. But I don't know if plastic on a pizza you Yeah, but, like, I know those ones. But, yeah. And also, like, if this is... Are they rich? Because they're watching, like... A big, big screen in their bedroom, which again, this is the 80s. Like, that's standard now. Like, you've got a projector, you do that sort of stuff. But then, like, they're in the kitchen cooking, this giant kitchen, they're watching it on a TV. Like, they've got this feed of Frankenstein, like, on every little, like, TV. I'm like, are they rich? Like, what's going on? They have to be. But, like, okay, I get the charming appeal of, like, hey, it's never explained. But, like, again, I'm going to be that guy. Like, if these people have the capability to press a couple of buttons and create a woman, a woman, like, no wonder they're rich. They're, they like we in 2023, we can't even do this. Like we're complaining about AI taking over the world. Like we can't even clone a human now. Like it took us how long to clone a fucking sheep? Like I mean, they've created a woman who's intelligent. She can speak. She's warm blooded. She's got boot. Like everything about it. Like they should win the Nobel Prize for like science. Like I mean, they're the greatest human beings on the planet. They created a human. They could go to the military and create fake people for soldiers so real people don't have to die. Like, you know, if if Jamie died tomorrow, you could, like, recreate her looking like Rihanna. Like, still got the personality of Jamie, but she looks like Rihanna. Not to take away from Jamie's look, she's a beautiful oh. woman, but, like... Why, 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 is that, that the improvement, Rihanna? No. Yeah, yes, uh, I don't know. No. We could We could eliminate Taylor Swift. Like... No! That's it. Let's do this bit. Hold on. We both got computers right now. Can we pull our power? You cannot bag out Kill Phil where I create, <laughs> I literally, I apparently stole the idea from this movie and I've never seen it before where I created the transformation machine where I could transform people into whatever I want by pressing a couple of buttons on a shitty computer in a school office, a little plastic box that said bomb. I literally stole from weird science and I've never seen it. So you can't bag me out for that idea. It's dumb. And then, like, it's just... Again, I had to read a Wikipedia article. Two movies in a row, by the way, that I've been reading the Wikipedia article. Again, we'll get to that next week. Um, that, like, she can do anything. Like, she walks into rooms yeah. and, like, boom, she's a wizard. She turns on lights. She's got the force. She creates cars. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? Um, you can wipe people's memory. We're about to get to that. Which, again, I didn't get that. Why does she, he forget the sons? My favourite people in this movie are the grandparents. We're not even there yet. But, um... <laughs> I mean, I will say, I will, like as much as I dislike this movie, the two kids are great. Like they're they're very oh, good. Yeah. Like they're, they're you know like this trope of the eighties. We could easily do geek month. Like I think I've told you before. I randomly one of my friends in like college was like, didn't know what to get you for your birthday. So here's the box set of Revenge of the Nerds. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I remember watching them, and like the first one's fine. It's got uh, Anthony Edwards in it, 
Um, and they're all very 80s revenge of the nerds. I mean, there's literally, what is it, the famous scene where, isn't it nowadays it doesn't hold up well because, like, one of the hot cheerleaders, like, has sex with this guy who isn't the guy she's having sex with, so she's, like, consenting to having sex with another guy who's not the real... It's a very grey area now in 20... Well, not really a grey area. It wasn't consensual. It was not a grey area. The point is, <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds, better than this movie. Um, anyway, like, the shower... Like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just really don't know. But the thing is with this movie, though, like, you're about to get to this house party scene, which goes on for, like, half the movie, um, because literally they create this woman... And it's not even explained. Like, again, like all my jokes aside about you create this hot chick and you're going to have sex with her. Like, she straight away is like, I know why you created me. I'm in the shower. Aren't they fun? And, like, then she's just all, like, straight away. It's like they know her straight away. Like, the thing I like about movies where it's kind of that fish out of water. Like, I I love a body swap movie or, like, a a, a suddenly 30 or 30 going on 13, whatever it's called in whatever part of the world, where it's like, oh, you get transported back into your younger self movie. Like, those types of movies where you've got to give him a, a bit of time to adjust groundhog day. Like, you know, it takes him a couple of tries to adjust to it. This is just like, Hey, hot chick shower. We know everything. Let's go. It's like, okay. Like I, I want that adjustment period of this fish out of water scenario, but Kelly LeBrock is amazing at it. She's like really, really good. So eh, I don't know this, this nightclub scene, it's kind of borderline offensive. Um, and then this whole like line around the table, he's like, and I had, I'm not going to do the voice, like, sorry, I'll get in trouble. But he's like, he's like, oh, and I had this girl and she had the big titties. And they're all like, yeah, big titties. And it's just kind of, that's what 15 year old boys talk about, Colin. Um, we know nothing about boobs. So we just assume the bigger, the better. Not always true. But anyway, like, uh, and then <laughs> I don't know what else to add. The panty scene. I do like the Bill Paxton bit where he's like in a towel and he's basically like, cover yourself up. I can see everything. And you see Bill Paxton's ass. That's kind of funny. Um, And yeah, the mall scene, like, again, it was such the eighties. What did you do? You were a kid in the eighties. I was like three by the time the eighties ended. I wasn't hanging out in malls, but like, were you hanging out in malls when you were like eight years old, nine uh, years old? Cause you had nothing to do. Like, honestly, I don't think I ever saw a mall until I was probably nine or ten. I mean, we we lived out of the, we lived in the metropolis of LaSalle. There were no malls there. Mall, malls in uh, Edmonton are bigger than your entire town. But um, but yeah. I mean, that that was a thing. Like, if anybody's watching this now, who grew up in a different time. Like, this was. I mean, I was a teenager just before like the internet. Like, I didn't get the internet in my house so I was like seventeen, eighteen. So I had this period like when I was a young teenager where. Yeah, you would meet up with your friends in the city or, you know, you mm. would hang out, like, at a park after school or something like that. Like, you didn't go on the internet and talk all night or have phones. Like, so, like, this was a thing. You'd hang out at the mall. Um, yeah. Robin Sparkles, How I Met Your Mother. Let's go to the mall. Um, but, yeah. Sorry, we, we've got yeah, 27 yeah. minutes left, Colin. Come on. Uh, this this shouldn't take too long. Um, now, my favourite scene in the movie is coming up here, which is where... Uh, Kelly LeBrock is basically trying to talk Gary, that's Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall, talk his parents into letting him come to this party or whatever. And uh, everything's going exactly. He's trying to downplay it. It's like, oh, we're just going to the movies. And she says a party at the same time. Go, we're going to, to a movie party. It's like a party where you watch movies. Uh, now, now, first I want to say, uh, this movie is definitely trying to portray these parents like they're the bad guys, right? They go, oh, they're holding back their son. Um, they're doing nothing wrong. <laughs> Uh, if Casper is 15 years old, I think they're supposed to be 15. This movie, 15 years old, 
and Kelly LeBrock, 25 years old, comes in and, you know, she's trying to steamroll everything and, and take control and and you got an uncomfortable kid there. I'm going to be like, no, 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 no. I'm calling the cops. This is statutory rape. I mean, the dad's doing nothing wrong in this movie. This is where you and I parenting situations differ. If Kelly LeBrock's doing that, I'll be like, well, hang on a minute. How about you come with me? Uh, and Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a little closer <laughs> in age. <laughs> 25 Colin and I wouldn't frown on that. I'm like 50 now, but like, <laughs> Hey, uh, but uh, still this scene is just amazing. And this is where I think uh, uh, Kelly LeBrock basically is a star. Uh, Cause it's not just that she looks great. It's not just that she's like very energetic and entertaining. Like the way that she's delivering this, great these charisma. lines is humor. She's got incredible charisma, like unbelievable charisma. It, it's sad if, if the whole reason is just, she didn't want to act. And she married Steven Seagal and she came out of retirement to do Steven Seagal movies. Like, that. that's unfortunate. <laughs> the reason <laughs> she, she married Steven Seagal. Exactly. Actually, when one marries Steven Seagal, there's only so much acting that can go around. Ju- judging on what he looks like now, I think he ate Kelly LeBrock because I don't think we've seen her in quite some <laughs> oh, time, have we? <laughs> fat shaming. <laughs> oh, he'll kick my ass. It's fine. <laughs> But uh, the, the the best line that she has in this movie where they're saying, well, what's going to be going on this part? She goes, oh, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, chips, dip, chains and whips. Was it like teen orgies? Then, Doesn't she say that as well? Yeah, then she says about a teen orgy and then uh, it's like uh, sex everywhere. And then uh, <laughs> th- there's some type of line about uh, uh, Gary tossing off to yeah, magazines in the bathroom. I love that whole section. And then this... This mom, it's like you have to listen really closely to hear it. The mom says, you told me you were combing your hair. <laughs> and then he's like going up for like five minutes and going like, I don't toss off. I, I don't, 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 don't toss off. I don't toss off. And then you get her pulling a gun on the parents yeah, uh, when sure. he's trying to call the cops, uh, which this is important. It comes up later. Uh, and they basically leave. And then later on, he says, hey, well, my parents are going to kill me. And it's like, don't worry. Everything with your parents will be fine. I took care of it. And then you have the mom back at home saying, did you notice Gary was acting a bit strange tonight? Who's Gary? <laughs> this joke will be repeated several times. Uh, my other minor complaint about this movie, and again, I'm not I'm not saying that, that, that you don't have valid complaints. I'm like, but I just understand this movie was not intended to do anything other than just be ridiculous and entertain. But genuine complaint I have is I feel like this joke with Gary's parents, you can't cram it into just the last half hour of the movie and have the three P joke. This is the rule of three we talked about. You got to spread this out throughout the movie so the audience forgets because every time it showed them, like, oh, there's going to be another moment. You, you, It was too fresh. You remember it. Um, so we get the house party. Now, this is where I realized that John Hughes, in the two days it took him to write this movie, probably watched Risky Business because now this movie is essentially Risky Business except with a genetically engineered woman as opposed to a prostitute uh, because it's the exact same movie. You have, like, this big house party scene that uh, – gets out of control. You even end with a very similar thing where you have to get like the whole house put back together. I don't think you, you, you hadn't said if you'd seen risky business or not, I right? I haven't seen it. I've seen the famous, well, you've, you took the wrong record off the shelf yeah. scene. Yeah. You've seen a very similar movie because this movie is very, very uh, liberally borrowing from risky business at a lot of points here. Uh, the party. I love that you have the two guys who are just hanging out in the bathroom uh, they don't want to come out. That's now, the Colin. most confusing part of this movie, yeah, 100%, but the, then the most confusing part of this movie, and this is something where, again, I forgot it, and then when I rewatched this movie, I'm like, wait, I remember this part, and I remember being confused then, and I'm confused now. So you get the girls who come in who are the girlfriends of Robert Downey and, and Robert Rustler, and uh, they're chatting them up, and everything seems to be fine. They step into the shower, and then when they come out, you got these two other girls there. are supposed to be like the, the gawky teenage girls. Now... I'm so confused by this. Where did these other girls come from? I remember thinking at the time and even watching it this time, I'm like, 
so are these girls, do they have powers too? And that this is what they actually look like, but they thought that they look like these hot teenage girls. Like I didn't understand it at all. I'm guessing you have nothing to add to that. I wasn't really paying attention. I think I lost it when Devo showed up. So, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also have uh, the Robert Downey and the other guy who are trying to get with Lisa. And she's basically saying she belongs to Gary and Wyatt. And uh, th so they decide they're going to go to him. And um, at the same time, you got the grandparents showing up here, which this is fantastic. Uh, I love them. I think that we should go visit our grandson, Gary. Oh, that would be delightful. <laughs> you know what a teenage boy needs? A visit from their grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think this is also where we cut back to the dad the first time. And he was it's our son. They're showing the picture. And he's like, I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, so now you get the bullies who are uh, asking them, yeah, we just want to borrow Lisa. And like, yeah, you know, I don't feel right doing that. But th they basically tell them, yes, but this is how it happened. And they try making another woman for them. And they're designing it. And uh, everything kind of goes wrong. We get the storm happening. Lisa realizes, oh, great. What have they done now? Uh, and then instead of a woman appearing, you get a giant missile that grows in the ground because they've got to hook up the Barbie doll. Now, great trivia bit about this. This might be one of my favorite trivia bits uh, I've ever read for any movie ever, is that to do this shot, they have to film it in reverse where, you know, you have the, the missile is going down through the ground. But th when this shot was filmed, imagine the amount of time it takes to stage it. Anthony Michael Hall farted hmm. as soon as the cameras rolled and everybody cracked up on set and... They had to redo this shot, which cost them $100,000 because Anthony <laughs> Michael Hall cut one in the middle of their filming. Wow. <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, I, I wonder if he was in any more John Hughes movies after this to it against him. Uh, but uh, it, still, like, this is completely absurd. You got a missile that's growing out of here. And I love, I think it's Robert Downey who he, like, taps it. He goes, yeah, that's a real missile. Because <laughs> that's the touch test. You know missiles by the touch. Yep. This is definitely made in the USA, nuclear missile. I know a missile when I see one. <laughs> I know a missile wound. Uh, and uh, the grandparents show up and they see Lisa and uh, she does her damage control. She basically shoves them into a closet and then they're in a catatonic state the entire time. How they uh, don't, whenever getting... they cut to them, you see the woman going like moving like half. It's like Roger Moore <laughs> and the man with the golden gun. Like, yeah, Roger, we can yeah. see you moving, champ. <laughs> You, you got this hand tremor <laughs> on your, your uh, mannequin dummy here. Uh, but uh, the um, uh, the the end part here where Lisa's basically saying, okay, I know what I need to do to get these guys to get the courage and everything they need. Because the whole movie's like, well, what are you actually here for? And you get that she's here to give them some confidence, stuff like that. So she basically brings in uh, the gang from Mad Max. Uh, <laughs> literally the gang from Mad Max because this one guy is actually in the Mad Max movie, yeah. uh, which I didn't realize. It, and I'm looking at him like, this guy looks familiar. Is that the bald guy? The, 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 is he the... the bald guy, yeah. But is he not the... um In the Bill and Ted movies, is he not dead? Like, he looks like the... He looked like oh, one yeah, of no, these no, actors. It's, it's He's in a lot of those. Different different guy from Bill and Ted, but Vernon right. Wells, uh, he was in The Road Warrior, so the second okay. Mad Max movie. Uh, and he basically played the, almost the exact same character. And uh, he credits this movie for getting him because he hadn't acted in four years. You had Mad Max 2, nothing until this movie. And then coming right off of this movie, he starts acting in a bunch of stuff. He's in Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger, like the same year this comes out. So this this gives this uh, Brendan Wells a career. Back in action, he's in a Timothy Dalton slash Brendan Fraser movie. He was a uh, voice he, in Ty the Tasmanian Tiger 3, Night of the Quincan. Oh. This guy has been in films with Brendan Fraser, 
Timothy Dalton, A. James Bond, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Kelly LeBrock. This guy's got it made. <laughs> I, love, I love how you have to put like and Mad, that. Mad Max, Mel Gibson. I, I love, fought him. I love how you get started sounding like, Brennan Fraser, Mel Gibson, Timothy Dalton. It was a James, James Bond. Like, he, he was A. James Bond. <laughs> which I, I, when I was in Melbourne recently, I went to, there's this um, kind of like free film museum, which I knew because I'd never been to. And like, it's, it's basic, but it's cool. And they had in there a, I don't know if it was the original one used in the movie, but they had like a car from Mad Max, like sort mm. of laid out. But they also had, Colin, the piano from the movie, the piano. And I was like, there it is. It's a piano from the movie, the piano. <laughs> I took a photo of it. So we ever cover that movie. I've seen the piano from the movie, the piano. And over here, we've got Anna Paquin <laughs> from the movie, the piano. <laughs> oh, Anna Paquin was there. I would have stayed a lot longer than an hour. <laughs> uh, so this gang's tearing up the house and threatening everybody. And this is where they actually legitimately get, and this is actually kind of a nice moment where they legitimately get this courage to stand up for uh, themselves. And uh, they're, they're trying to uh, shoo these bad Max guys out of there and they're being laughed off and they're being joked at where everything that they're saying is obviously coming out of Lisa. So I don't know if she's created this as an illusion or something. Because, oh, these guys shower with their pants on. And it's all stuff that only she would know about. Uh, and then uh, uh, Gary pulls a gun. <laughs> so this is where the gun comes back, which uh, uh, Kelly LeBrock had told him earlier was just a squirt gun. Uh, but uh, th these guys cower all of a sudden. And they're like, uh, oh, so we're very sorry. And I love some of the funniest stuff in this movie here is uh, all, all these little lines they have uh, where these, these guys are apologizing like... Um, uh, what's one of them here? Uh, the uh, uh, oh, I'm terribly sorry. Um, why don't you call me for lunch? Uh, and I love this one where he's like, "Can we just keep this between us? I could lose my teaching job, which is my opening line." Uh, <laughs> and um, the girls are all ecstatic that these guys have saved her. They take them home. Uh, and there's even a nice kind of moment here, very Ferris Bueller like, where we're gonna have the nice moment with the girl, and uh, they say something like. Um, Oh, were you really not scared back there? And it goes, no, I was very scared, but it just felt like the right thing to do. Uh, and then after that, they have to rush home and you've even got the, the car chase going on with the police. And I love when they pass the, the, the parents Ferrari. again. It's like, look, it's Gary. And it's like, who is this Gary you keep talking about? Again, joke would should just be spaced out a little bit more. Uh, they get back and the entire house is reversed. Chet there though, and he's uh, threatening to tell the parents and Kelly LeBrock turns him into Chet the Hut. Uh, this and this is eating flies. This is when he shows up. This is the scene, by the way. Okay, so what's your timestamp? One hour fifteen forty-seven. So when he walks in the door before he walks upstairs to discover like his room's like being snowed in or whatever, he uh -huh. walks in the door. He's literally got a dead duck in his hand. Ah, okay. So I yeah, I think the timestamps are a little bit off here. Mine's a little bit earlier than that. I must have deleted scenes or something. I got to see this. All right. So I am ranked here. He comes in. He's pulled up. So he's, pulled he's got up. a he gun. He looks at the car that says wired on the number plate when he walks in the door. And he's there got it the is, gun. There it is, a dead duck. <laughs> yeah, which I'm just saying right now, clear number one, because A, next week it's I, only mentioned. We don't see one. But it is Bill Paxton holding a dead duck. <laughs> I mean. Sorry, they're they're cutting to Kelly LeBrock sitting with no pants on and her legs up. So I forgive me for missing the dead duck. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tough call, but Bill Paxson holding a dead duck. <laughs> Bill Paxson dead duck. They're, 
Because I was <laughs> I was getting angry at this movie for not showing me I a dead too. duck. I thought I thought <laughs> like legitimately like I was gonna get to a point where I'm thinking like maybe it's in those like weird scenes when the dogs on the ceiling, the photos are dancing, the couches are flying out yeah. of the roof. Because there's like a pile oh. of water. So I'm thinking like, well, maybe there's like a body in the background or like maybe there's some scene or like, you know, like a restaurant, there's a hanging dead duck or something. <laughs> like I don't know. But like basically when this came on screen, it was like, there it is, dead duck. <laughs> there's uh, there's also a moment when they were saying goodbye to the girls, though. Uh, I, I missed this note here where uh, he, he's got this nice line where, where they're talking about, oh, yeah, Lisa's great. But, you know, if I had to make uh, a woman, I'd make her just like you. And she's like, oh, and then he's like, Cause yeah, like I'm very serious when I say that. Like I would make, he just starts repeating himself. Like, oh, this worked. I said something right to a girl. Now they just the beat it dinner was, yeah. Um, so uh, Chet comes in and uh, Wyatt's offering him his uh, college money, his social security money, everything. He finds the grandparents in the closet. Uh, <laughs> this line here. Uh, he says, you think they're having a good time? They're catatonic in the closet. Tom Cruise. Uh, and, <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> not, not a dead. We need a Tom Cruise sound effect one of these days. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just play like the opening lines of, of YMCA. We're going to get to the <laughs> YMCA. It's uh, raining, so, men. <laughs> so after he's turned into Chet the Hut here and he's eating the flies, uh, and I love how just uh, it's obviously Bill Paxton's voice, but I mean, the special effect it looks cheesy, but it looks hilarious. So it bad. looks like it looks just like Bill Paxton. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, and they, by the way, I'm really sorry. And then they're asking, like, by the way, could you change Chet back? You know, sorry, I can't leave him like that. It would ruin Christmas. <laughs> uh, she reverses everything in the house and says goodbye to them. And this is also kind of a nice moment where they're like, oh, you guys don't need me anymore. So they leave, and then we get the final scene of the movie. We're back in gym class, and you get... Now, did your version have the Rocky theme playing here? Yes. This is another one where apparently there's different versions of this movie that use different songs. The version we watch has the Rocky theme playing, and you pan up, and Lisa's the new gym teacher for the, the boys' class here. Come on. Uh, because... <laughs> that is the worst hiring of a teacher ever. Particularly when she literally walks in, and she's like, hello, boys, and she's like rubbing herself. <laughs> Uh, and then she just has a line drop and give me 20 or something like that. And they all just faint. Uh, and then you get to the song, which again is an amazing song. I love this who song. Who sings there this song? That's a movie. Oingo Boingo, who apparently <laughs> had two hits. <laughs> oh, this boingo. and another song that came out on the same album the same year. And then they just dropped off the face of the planet. But I listened to a couple of other songs. They're not bad. They sound like typical 80s band, but uh, I, I love this song. Considering next week, 1968's Barbarella kind of foreshadows Duran Duran in a weird way. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, wow. Um, did you get the Devo mention when Devo no. showed up to the party? So those geeky, Is it actually Devo? So the geeky kids that show up to the door and like, oh, hello, we're friends with Anthony Michael Hall. They're wearing Devo hats. They're wearing like the, you know, like the whippet, like the the pointed uh. red like Lego hats. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole, like we've got 11 minutes, so I'm not going to hold this up. It's It's, this whole sequence is just a party basically. And it's, I mean, I love the grandparents. We're going to go visit our grandson because they always love that. Um, but even like in this sort of like, again, I get the trope. It's an 80s movie. It's paint by numbers, right? The the whole point of this movie is to find their inner strength so they can get the real girl and not have to worry about the fake girl. Like, I get it. But like, it's just done in such a poor way that you barely remember it. Like you even said, like, you didn't realize they're going to end up with these girls at the beginning. And I'm like, well, mm. I did. But like, it's just, that's how these movies work out. But it's just in the manner in which it's done, like, 
80s movies are so shallow because at the end of the day, it's like the only reason these girls want to get with them is because, oh, oh my God, they're slightly tougher. That's not really them. Like, I'll have in a weird way. Well, in this movie, it is. Well, like, I mean, like, we're doing Back to the Future in a few weeks. I'm very excited. George McFly standing up to Biff is much better than this. But at the end of the day, like, it's implied that George McFly stood up to Biff so he became a tougher man. Like, I'm a wimp. I'm an absolute wimp. But if I have to defend in a situation, I might get to a point. Like, I remember once in my life where I was going to get into a fight because I was that pissed off. And that's not me. But, like, if it happens once, like, if you if you, you get me so mad about bagging out Natalie Portman and I've got to punch you, like, and it gets to me at this point, I'm sick of you bagging out Madonna and I punch you, the next week you could just walk into the room and, like, threaten to punch me. I'm like, oh, don't even be cold. I'm a wimp. Like, it doesn't change my personality overnight. And also, like, Screw these women. If they're only with me because they think I'm tough, like, well, that's not me. I put on a show for five seconds. I can fake to be something for five minutes. Like in this movie, they're not faking though. They they actually were standing. They didn't. Ha- they didn't think they had a real gun, and they were legitimately standing up. So yeah. in this movie, they, they are changed guys. But also, like this is like what we did in romantic comedy. They're not lasting for five weeks. It's like they're literally like, no. oh, we're so bored of these people. T-. Like one month they're into like bullies pouring slurpees over people. The next month they're into geeks who stand up. Next month they're into like fucking Colin. I don't know. Like I mean, they're they're fifteen year old <laughs> girls. They're just like fifteen year old boys. They can't make their mind up, and they're controlled by hormones. So, you know, um, yeah, like even this whole like bit with the missile and then there's like a random woman playing the piano. You get to see a boob. That was fun. Um, uh, yeah, uh, these bikers, sure. Um, and then like the car chase I like because there's a Ferrari in it. Bill Paxton with the dead duck. Uh, he turns into a steaming pile of poo. Um... Yeah, this song is no How the Duck. I'm sorry, How the Duck is better. Um, <laughs> no. How the Duck is way better. Um, yeah, no. Just, just, just no. <laughs> I, just, I have so, nothing else to add. Nine minutes. Come on, bring us home. So uh, this movie got decent reviews, 59% on Why? Rotten Tomatoes. Um, big split, though, on uh, Siskel and Ebert. So Roger Ebert loved this movie. Uh, he specifically loved Kelly LeBrock in this movie, but... Uh, um, he uh, had a big disagreement with Gene Siskel, uh, who hated this movie, gave it only one and a half stars and said, what a disappointment weird science is. A wonderful writer and director has taken a cute idea of two teenage Frankensteins, creating a perfect woman by computer and turned into a vulgar, mindless, special effects cluttered wasteland. Uh, but uh, for the most part, it looks like it got decent reviews, maybe a little bit split. Uh, box office, uh, this movie opens with next to nothing. So opening weekend is fourth at the box office with only $4.8 million dollars behind Fright Night, which came out the same weekend. National Lampine's European Vacation, so Anthony Michael Hall was beaten by the movie he turned down, and Back to the Future in his fifth weekend at number one. Uh, but the movie goes on to make quite a bit. I mean, what is it, like $38 million here? Uh, so obviously it had some staying power. Um, uh, we'll, we'll do plot keywords last. I think that's the important one here. Gonna, uh, what are we going to do? One, uh, does, one just, star or ten star? I'd say ten. I, I mean, I don't know. Like... Let's you, do. We'll, you we'll quickly at, do both. You look at. Would you want to look at ten? I'll look at one. Okay. Well, I'm already at one. So you look at I'll ten. I'll look at ten. All right. Uh, so incredibly stupid says Sean M. Roeder. I was a young teenager in the '80s. I remember all my schoolmates raving about this movie. Maybe I would have liked it if I watched it then. I really enjoy some of the John Hughes other films. I finally watched this one for the first time. The acting is wooden. No, not true. The jokes are lame, and the premise is incredibly stupid. The movie is also very dated. As my two, two, two teenage children could not make it through twenty minutes of this movie. 
Uh, what do you got for 10 stars? I think like every week I think I might just like create an account and then write a review so that one week you'll accidentally stumble across like, here's one from Noah Happy Birthday Groves. <laughs> um, uh, Abhilash7 said, really good. One of the best fantasy sci-fi movies ever. Also a good 80s flick. A lot of very funny jokes and laughs. Anthony Mark Hall and Alan Mitchell-Smith do a good job playing nerds and a hilarious Kelly LeBrock as a cyber girl. Lisa is hot. A feel-good 80s movie written... Uh, sorry, a feel-good 80s movies written by the master John Hughes. A must-see. They wouldn't be able to make a movies like this these days. I love the 80s. Cool. Uh, plot, plot keywords. So we're going to be looking for something to do next so month. So this is... Uh, we and- need to, in the next four weeks, choose... like. So maybe, I think, what do we write down? Like five from each? Or three from sure. each? Sure. Three from each. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a choice of one of them here because we got... Porn stash month or porn magazine month? <laughs> uh, let's go with porn stash. That sounds better. So porn stash, we would have weird science uh, as it is in heaven. Poor pretty Eddie. And then an episode of interior therapy with Jeff Lewis called who's on first. Well, I don't think that's going to win. Well, I'm going to choose a couple here. So we've got woman's clothes ripped off month <laughs> featuring mother weird science Marnie and Immoral Tales. And obviously Weird Science we eliminate. So number five would be Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Um, so where is there was like something? Gay Slur Month? Under Boob Month. Oh, okay. What have we got? Uh, we have Weird Science Lethal Ladies Return to Savage Beach. Okay. Hard haunt, Hunted Attacked the 50 Foot Cam Girl. And then it's something called Enemy Gold. All right. Would you rather Gay Slur or Homophobic Slur Month? Uh... <laughs> I don't think that's going to fly when we put that on our graphic. Okay, hang on. We'll take that away. Let's go. Wearing with brawn head month? Masturbation month. Um, <laughs> featuring, it's got to have something about Mary on it, surely. Uh, poor things, strays, fast times at Ridgemont High and love, which that poster, let me tell you right now, looks like that would offend Colin. Although the whale at number five. Um, oh. I'm, I'm keeping masturbation month up there. Um <laughs> Uh, two girls in washroom i just saw that Uh, one uh what have we got in that one uh weird science shady bab l oed city and boku wa there's only four on that we've already done one so we can't really do that one uh pouring a drink on someone's head month that would be good uh weird science whip it Miracle Beach, so undercover and then vola de cheval jamie looks like she'd like that movie two shirtless men on the cover all right, let's oh, choose three. We I, need to I choose think three. I got it. I think I got one. Pillow fight month. Yeah. Uh, I give you not another teen movie. National Lampoon's Animal House. Weird Science, which is not there. The Hot Chick and Annie. And which Annie? This is the 1982 Annie. Okay, not the the new one that everyone. Okay, all right. So yeah. I am going to nominate. So I'm just scrolling through these really, really quickly. There's actually quite some good ones here. Um, <laughs> I am going to a. Officially nominate. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I know we've got like four minutes to go. Um, all right. Okay. So these are my nominations and you can choose then you if you want to change. Right. So I'm, I'm keeping masturbation month. Uh, I'm going with boy wears female underwear month, which would feature weird science, Stan Helsing, the five senses, extract de naissance. And number five would be the young offenders episode 2.2. All right. We've got pretending to talk like another ethnicity month. I saw that. <laughs> uh, which, there's only three in that one, so scrap that one. Um, talking about Masturbation Month. Uh, American Beauty, I'm down for that. Weird Science, The Babysitter, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, and This Is The End. That's a good movie. Uh, and Eating a Fly Month, 
featuring oh. Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula, Weird Science, 13 Sins, A French Vampire in America, or Blood Scarab. Uh, I, I, I like eating a fly. My- <laughs> All right. So I am, I am writing down. I am officially writing down then. Uh, Boy Wears Female Underwear Month, Talking yeah. About Masturbation Month, and Eating a Fly Month. They're our nominees for there this one. There we go. All right. So <laughs> I think uh, I know which one you're going with. Eating uh, a fly. Uh, you're obviously buying this movie, I'm assuming. I'm 100% buying. In fact, I've been looking all day to see uh, where I could get like the 4K Blu-ray for this. Oh for some great God. special features. I love this movie. This movie's amazing. I love it. No, it's a clear bin for me. This movie's terrible. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, speaking of terrible, ah. next week we're probably going to be in agreement because we're going to be talking Barbarella. I guarantee Jay you next Fonda. week I'm doing that movie in less than 30 minutes and I'll wait till we get to next week. Wow. <laughs> I, I was so close to messaging you uh, when I was watching it saying, "As I, I think we have found the companion to Zardoz. <laughs> this movie is out there. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about it. I still don't know what I watched. Um, I don't know whether it was intentional. I I don't know anything. I, I I don't know whether I'm going to last for the 20 minutes that we have to talk about Barbarella next month. I will say next week there is plenty of nudity, which is good, both <laughs> men and women. I'm not just here for the boobs. I'm here for the shirtless men. Very attractive men in this film. Jane Fonda. I can see why that her exercise She's one of the tapes, attractive men. It's, it, well, she is. Like, the problem with Jane Fonda is that, like, now I see Jane Fonda, she's an old lady. So, like, it's yes, kind of like... exactly. And she still sounds like she does now when she's, like, 80. Yeah. That's a different... Like, her voice is literally the same. So, when she's like, hello, I'm Barbarella. I'm like, ugh, she's, like, 80-year-old. And I don't dislike Jane Fonda. Legend. But, yeah. Um, it'll be a very short episode next week. I guarantee it. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> we've got one dead duck we're not going to see one next week but we still will have uh some kind of mention of it uh but we uh, also have our 24 episodes going up and maybe the amazing race and um uh, i think at the time people are listening to this we're probably getting ready for yeah the finale of the continental oh it's only been three weeks and we're already at the finale of the continental and maybe a review uh, of a new movie i'm seeing called live and let die oh i can't wait to see that one i've heard such good things uh, subscribe to us, sign up for Patreon. We might actually talk about something one of these days. And uh, my name is Colin, and if you're going to fart, if you're going to squeeze cheese, let me know, okay? I'll hit the fan. And my name is Ben, and my nuts are halfway up my ass, but other than that, I'm perfect. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs) 